Welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of some awesome association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Lowell Applebaum, CEO of Vistacova, where we partner with organizations on strategic facilitation. And with me today is Matt Ott, MSCAE CMP. He's the president and CEO of the Global Cold Chain Alliance, which is a coalition of organizations that ensure that there are universally strong cold chain exists globally, maintaining quality and safety through each link. Before joining GCCA, he served as the executive vice president and COO of the National Grocers Association, as well as the executive director of the NGA Foundation. Over the past two decades, he has worked with a diverse group of associations and their member companies on developing strategy and delivering results that has directly contributed to growth in membership programs, events, education, and non-dues revenue. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Of course. My pleasure. So we like to uh, start these conversations with a similar question, which is if you are a rock star, it's because that you have some things that you are really awesome at. Uh, we have had some of these interviews where uh, the interviewee has asked their five-year-old where their superpower is. Some have asked their spouse. I think someone just looked in the mirror. Uh, I'll ask you as you think about what you bring to the table from a superpower perspective. What's one of yours? Yeah, so you know, no, no Peter Parker situation here where if I take off my shirt, you know, there, there's something going on underneath. So I had I, I to give this one some thought, but originally I was thinking flying just because I think, you know, I've spent enough time in the air uh, over the course of the last decade that, uh, you know, really one of the only people I know that, that's rivaled me in the association space is, is you. Um, you can but, win that game. Yeah. <laughs> you can win the game. But, uh, but you know, I, I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, shape-shifting. And uh, I'm gonna say that for good, right? And so usually when you, when you think about shape-shifting there's like nefarious intent, right? You know, you, you wanna sh you go into somebody else's body to you know, do, do things that maybe wouldn't be so good. But I, I like to think about whenever I go into a situation, you know, how are my members approaching it? You know, or how are my staff thinking about it? And so a lot of times I try to live through their, their lives and their shoes or think about how they're, they're taking that perspective on, on things. And so that's, uh, that's kind of where I ended up on, on that one. I love that as an approach to like be in your member shoes and I can see their perspective and voice. You know, that, that member-centric perspective uh, is something that many have to learn. Uh, I know from your, your background, this will be an interesting question, but sort of when did you come to the realization that this was the profession for you? Yeah, it, it, it's actually kind of funny. Um, you know, as it was kind of teased leading up, I'm actually a third uh, generation association executive. Um, I don't know that there's another out there. I don't know that anybody uh, has been able to stick around for three generations, uh, probably exited before that. I know there's a lot of second gen association executives yeah. out there, but you know, for me, like, that was the family business, right? So our vacations growing up, you know, it's like we'd go to Disney World, but I'd never get to go ride a ride. I'd you know, be at the Swan and Dolphin helping run registration or, uh, you know, we go to all these cool places for a vacation. And, you know, I, I, I started to like it uh, very early on because you got to do cool things like go help out on an expo floor, you know, and yeah. that up from the beginning, right? Like, and my grandfather was running the uh, United Motor Coach Association or United Boston Owners even before that. So you got to see these really cool you know, exhibits get set up with you know, custom buses and all sorts of cool stuff like that. And so as a kid, I thought it was awesome. And then, you know, you start to think about, you know, teenage angst, right? And it was like, right. oh, I'm going to pull away from this. You know, I, I'm not sure I want to do the association thing. And so, you know, I, I went to went to George Mason, uh, got a degree in sport management, had no intention of, of, you know, doing the association thing. 
my first job, of course, I, I start with an AMC. And I'm hoping I'm with corporate hospitality and, and some other stuff. But I still pulled away. Went to grad school, went back into sport management, and ended up helping the state of New Hampshire set up a nonprofit. Uh, and then from there, I ended up with the, the National Recreation Park Association, kind of taking the best of both worlds. And you know, I think it was really there and seeing all the good that that organization was doing, especially during a really challenging time. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's, I think, when it really hit me. You know, this is a great opportunity uh, to be able to help others and, and still you know, make a great career for yourself. You know, that it's interesting the, the path you've walked. And, you know, you're uh, still fairly new at, at, at the Global Cold Chain Alliance. Like key things that you've learned along the way that you feel like have helped prepared you for this role, like where you are in life now? Yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head early in terms of just the being member centric. Um, you know, that's just, it is so important. Um, you know, every day, you know, I show up and I'm thinking about what are my members going through, regardless of what organization I've been at, right? Because that's why we're here. Um, and, and really, I've been very selective in terms of the organizations that I've been working with, because I really feel that you have to have a personal connection to the associations that you're working with. You know, you want to have that personal connection with the members so that you, know, you show up every day and you want to run through a wall for them. And, uh, and that, that's just something that I think day in and day out, you know, I, I like to like to think about coming over here to GCCA was the, the easiest decision ever, um, you know, especially for me, because I was working in the food industry uh, you know, for the last decade, uh, kind of on either side, right? So NGA we had independent grocery stores and wholesalers, and then we also had CPG companies. I got my Oreo cup here from, from NGA, but, uh, you know, now with, with Global Cold Chain, I'm kind of working in the middle there, right? You know, and, and the food gets from the, the CPG companies to the wholesalers and grocery stores. And it takes a really special person to work in this industry. Um, you know, it's, it's tough work, as I'm sure we've all seen. You know, we're talking about essential personnel here. We have to show up day in, day out, and ensure that we have, you know, safe, high-quality food that we can eat every day. And so, you know, personally, it's a, it's a great mission to serve. And these are great people. I've already been doing member visits, going out yeah. to see um, you know, I've been, I've been in their, their cold storage warehouses and, you know, just, just seeing the passion that they have, uh, to ensure that we all have food nationwide is it's really, really inspiring. You know, member centric as a default feels more appropriate than ever for the moment we're in where there's so much unrest and so much disruption. Do you feel like being like inherently member centric is something that you were born with, like raised with, or you think it's something that others can like learn and if they can learn it, like, how do you learn to be member centric? I think that's a great question. And I think that it's different for all people, right? I mean, I think that, that some people just have that innate ability to connect with folks and they're able to, to think about a greater good or a greater charge, right? And it's not necessarily something that, that they're about. And you know, for some people, it is very learned. Um, you know, for me, I think it was a little bit of both. I've always, you know, enjoyed interacting with people and I've always liked working for people and with people. But, you know, I'm also somebody who is very intrinsically motivated by, you know, the task-oriented process, right? And so it, it's been a challenge as I've, you know, gone through, gone through my career and, you know, progressed um, to start thinking about it from the perspective of being more selfless and thinking of the greater good. And, you know, once again, that's why every day I, I now, I mean, I show up and it's not about the tasks. I think when you get to executive level, you start to shed some of that and it's more about, you know, what do my members need today? You know, what, what can I do? For the industry that, that I'm serving. Um, and and I, I think that's something that anybody, if you really think about it, yeah. you really you know, task yourself with, you know, how can I approach this differently? How can I think about it differently? You know, anybody can, can gain that, that, um, that way of thinking. 
you know, we were just talking before we started about, you know, staff and staff that are not in the office, but like built, really building like staff connections and culture. As you think about like building a member-centric focus into a staff culture, what are the ways in terms of like supervision that like you're, that you either approach that or like how do you try to build that in others that are gonna be working alongside you for you? Well, I, you know, I am extremely fortunate here that, you know, at GCCA, I, I mean, I inherited a fantastic staff. My predecessor did a great job in terms of managing culture and, you know, my, my, all my staff that are intact right now. I mean, even though we're not together personally, I'm only yeah. not a person, I can still tell, you know, that they are very uh, mission focused. They're very um, passionate about the work that we're doing. And so that's great. I think you know, it does come down to, to culture and it does also come down to, you know, when you're starting to develop your teams, it's for me, I think it's great if somebody has the characteristics that are just described in a job description. That's awesome. But it's even better if you have somebody that has the personality that you're looking for. Um, and as you're going through the interview process, you know, it's, it's people always have been taken aback by the questions that I'm asking because, you know, I'm not looking at the Come on, give it some of the questions. What do you mean? Like some um, examples. What do you do for fun? Yeah. You know, like, what are you passionate about? You know, is there a project that you've done in the past that you were really, really proud of? You know, and, and I think you can take a lot from somebody. Yeah. You know, if they, they're able to come up with something quickly and they're, they're very just passionate about it and they want to tell you every little detail. I think that that says a lot about who they are. You know, and sometimes you'll get someone that's like, I did this thing and there had an X percentage growth and like, that's it, right? And to me, you, you lose some, some passion there. Um, yeah. And, and, and it, I think it's a little bit more forced and it makes it more difficult to be part of a team, right? And so that's, that's really what I'm looking for is trying to figure out how do we, how do we get people, you know, the old Jim Collins, you know, get the right people on the bus, right? Um, you know, the second part of your question is, you know, I'm definitely somebody who likes to, you know, give people the tools uh, and resources they need and then let them go, right? You know, if they're, if they're well positioned, you know, to, to do their job. Yeah. I can't be the expert in everything, right? And I, I don't think that anybody uh, who's at the executive level should take that line of thinking that, you know, they're the best at everything or they know everything. Rely on your staff. You've got the right people in place. Let them, let them work. Drop the playbook. Yeah. They're the players. Let them go run the play. You know, the, the idea of letting them and trusting them, right, is also a comp key component of staff culture. You know, you're, you're talking about a lot of the there's certainly the bottom line important factors, but you're talking about a lot of sort of the cultural factors that are needed in leadership, it feels like, in how you lead and what's brought to the table. I mean, along the way, uh, outside of the knowledge you gained in sports medicine, uh, you know, sport management, sport management. Sports management, I apologize, sports management, uh, and perhaps it was from there. Like, do you have examples in your own journey of those who like taught, taught you or showed you like, this side of leadership right like not just like how to do the budget like not just like how to do the sale right but like this side that you're talking about like what models could you have in your journey that you learned from well i, I mean I, i'm inspired by the association community that we work in every day i mean a lot of what i've taken has just been from the peers that i've surrounded myself with i mean when i think about the people who show up to work every single day and work for associations. And I mean, let's be honest, right? We're never going to be the most resourced. We're probably not going to be able to pay as well as the for-profit sector. There, there's going to be volunteer challenges along the way. And yet still we show up every single day and folks that I know, um, you know, I'm able to learn from them and, and the exercises they go through um, the cultural um, 
the cultures that they've set up in their own organizations. Um, you know, certainly ASA has been a great resource, but a lot of external things. Um, you know, Lowell has certainly done a, a great job of developing communities himself um, that have been very, very beneficial to me, and I think a lot of others in the association community. But um, you know, from from a practical standpoint, I think the the person who um, you know I have tried to emulate really is is the person that I've been working for for the last decade, Peter Larkin. Um, and you know, what I'll say from about Peter is he's kind of the best of both worlds from a trade association perspective because he had the industry experience, but he also had the association experience. But you know, he could have very he had the knowledge. He very easily could have said, "This is what we're going to do, and this is how you're going to do it." But instead, he said, "Look." You guys are the experts. Go yeah. make it happen. And, and because he believed in us and he trusted in a really, really great team that we had at NGA, um, you know, we were able to double the size of the organization, um, you know, quite frankly. We doubled the size of the annual meeting. We doubled the size of membership. We did a lot of really innovative That's stuff. Neat. Yeah. Uh, that frankly, we wouldn't have done if we just didn't trust in each other, you know, and, and that was a, that was all because of him. And so um, you know, that, that's the person that, that as I continue to, to move forward and I think about it from a practical perspective, that's the person that I, I generally want to try to emulate every day. It's powerful that the, the person who helps that sort of the example for you is also like your supervisor so they could both mentor and supervise and you could see shared growth. You know, I'm interested, you bring a unique perspective to sort of the association landscape and that it's been in your profession, it's been in your family, it's been in your blood, like you've seen it sounds like from pretty much day one of life. You know, this is such a moment of shift and change. You know, as you look to tomorrow, any thoughts on the place, the impact, the potential for associations, what feels like that it's gonna be, a, it is a very different world. Yeah, you know, I, I think that, um, and we certainly talked ad nauseum about this, that, you know, I just went through an interview process, right? You know, and this is at the forefront of any, um, you know, board members mind, right? Because they're not here doing the work. Uh, they care greatly about the organization, but you know, they're, they're also wondering what's next. And, and I think that, that really, if you, if you really get bogged down in it, there's a lot of negativity out there, you know, well, we lost this or we can't do this or whatever it is. And, you know, I stepped into this role um, and you really it was just focused on positivity, right? You know, and yeah. it's, yes, we can't do certain things, right? But what could we do, right? This is, this is a beautiful opportunity, I think, for a lot of different associations because the playbook kind of has been thrown out the window for a lot of folks, right? And so, you know, if you, if, if you believe in yourself and your members and you think you got a great team in place, um, you know, now's the time to just throw spaghetti against the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. And, you know, if it, if it does, great. And if it doesn't, try again. Um, but I think I think those organizations and those executives that are agile um, and are constantly thinking about what's next, as opposed to saying, well, we've always done it this way, are going to be the ones that really end up on the other end. Yeah, extremely successful. Um, so that's, that's really the mentality that I've come into it with here. Um, and you know, there's there's going to be challenges for sure. I mean, I yeah. think every right now is going to have some sort of challenge whether it's membership or events or or whatever it is i mean if there's a, a broad variety of challenges and you might even have to face all of them but um you know at the end of the day if you can go back once again mission focus right if you can right. develop resources tools whatever it may be they're going to help promote your mission help your members be successful you know you're, you're going to be successful yourself as an organization 
the idea of throwing out the playbook, right? Like it leaves you with a blank slate. Like it leaves yeah. you like like lots of places to start. Uh, for those that are looking to like up their game, like for those that are looking to aspire to be rock stars, I mean, what what advice or mentorship would you give of like what skills to develop at this moment or like where to pursue like becoming you know stronger in terms of what the association industry needs? Yeah, you know, I, I think that it comes back to what I said before about agility, right? I mean, I think everybody's seen that the pace of change has accelerated to a point that it's it's just very difficult. And it's very, it would be very difficult to be able to say you're going to show up day in and day out and do the same thing that you've been doing, right? I mean, and a lot of it's driven by technology, but you've also got to think about the impact of technology in terms of how members are receiving information. Yeah. Quickly, you can get information out. Should you be approaching your events the same way. I mean, from my perspective, I think that, you know, the association model of we're going to have an annual meeting every year and we're going to do the same five, six things that we've been doing over and over and over again. I mean, I think that model is going to be very, very challenged moving forward. And I, and I think that thinking about it from a different perspective in terms of, all right, so what did you seek to accomplish with your annual meeting? And everybody's are different, right? But right. in the mind, like, what were you trying to do? Were you trying to create business relationships? Were you trying to you know, provide networking? Um, and some people say networking is you know, not a, a great value proposition. I tend to disagree. Um, and, and I think now more than ever, you got to think about networking from a different perspective because yeah. everyone's craving it. I mean, um, so that, that's another opportunity. Um, education. I mean, you know, we have been so married in the association world to saying you have to do education in person. It started to shift. You're seeing more webinars. You're seeing or distance learning opportunities, but from an outcome perspective, you know, how are you dealing with that? What are, what are you providing your members? What sort of tangibility do they have? What, what do they take away? You know, can you be thinking about certificates that you haven't thought about before? I, I think the possibilities are endless, but those association executives and those that seek to be rock stars, right? Um, I think that if they try to be more agile and maybe even going back to the superhero question, maybe there's some clairvoyance in there, right? You know, maybe developing, yeah the thought process in terms of what's next, you know, where we're not there yet, but where should we be? Where do we want to go? The idea of shifting from crisis response to foresight is definitely a compelling one. And I could see it resonates with me. The idea that the rock stars of tomorrow are the ones that are able to look up and out. It certainly seems like that's what, what you're doing. Uh, this flew by. I really appreciate you joining us and speaking with us a little bit this morning. Of course, my my pleasure. Always good to catch up with uh, with an old friend, uh, and and certainly uh, you know love love talking about uh, and to the association community. Um, yeah. You know, I think that we've got a, a great network of folks out there, um, and regardless of how challenging these times are, I think that if we rely on one another, you know, we're going to get through it, and we're going to be even stronger on the other end. So, I feel the same way, sir. And uh, thank you. And as always, thank Amy Hager, who is the one behind the scenes making all this magic happen, producing Association Rockstars and talking to you in the chat. And of course, thank you everyone for tuning in and joining us as always as we continue to grow our own network of those that are helping be leaders in our community. Look forward to joining you next time. And until then, Association Rockstars.